The following episode of TOEFOP is rated M.A. It may contain Batman references, time travel references, sexual references, lost trains of thought, and mild coarse language. TOEFOP advises that the program is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who enjoys succinct, coherent conversation that might actually have a point. Minors must be accompanied by a parent, guardian, or priest. This is John Deke speaking. Everyone relax, this is Tofop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Hello. Hi. I we don't have any ads to read, do we? I, just, uh, I don't think so. No, that's right. I, okay, I'm gonna do an ad uh, here at the start though for yeah. a product that we're not endorsed by, but I'm gonna do an ad for it anyway, which is the new Disney catch up service. Uh, yeah. It's it's their version of Netflix, which is called Movies Anytime, mm. I think, or Movies Anywhere. Yeah, it's an anyway, a, it's an M and A. Yeah, and uh, their incredible design team thought, oh, we'll come up with this like incredible design for this M and A, where we will sort of layer the A over the M, so it it forms some sort of endless loop that goes in each other, and that'll be yeah. a really good design that I'm sure nobody else in the world has ever used. Well, it's funny you should say that, Will, because. Uh I've actually invested in a little uh, hamburger restaurant. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, it's the fucking ABC's logo. It's literally the same as the ABC. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. Like, it's... I mean, I, I imagine there's going to be some lawsuit of some kind, but Disney... I saw you tweet that, that, you know, uh, no one thought to go on Google, and I was like, but how do you search an image? Do you, Can you do that? Does it, I mean, the technology must How do you it. search an image? No, like, on to, the internet. to take an image. Have you never, seen, would you, have you never you... seen an episode of Catfish? You know the TV show yeah, Catfish? Yeah, I know. I know the, I'm familiar with the concept. Okay, well, there's this TV show that they do, the two dudes from Catfish, and they have a TV se- series now. And the first thing they do when the person goes, well, this is the profile of the t- person I've been talking to, is they drag that photo into Google search, and it comes can up who it that? really is. Yes! I didn't know... <laughs> Google will search anything, mate. Well, you thought they were just sticking no, to searching I, I, words. I knew you could Google, I, I, but I thought you had to put it in words to Have find Have you ever heard of Google Images? <laughs> yeah, I know. But, it's images. But I didn't realise you could like... Put an p- image in something ma- and like it would bring up... match. You know what I mean? Like You didn't think the internet was capable of that? Well, no, I'm sure I we thought it was. We do this podcast on Skype and a guy in a different country edits it. But you did not think that Google had worked out how to do picture well, I guess, matching. Uh, yeah, picture matching. Because I guess, it, I mean, it makes sense because of facial recognition software. Like, right. you know, you go on Facebook, it can tell you the face of the person in the picture. So. Well, the government now are going to, uh, in Australia, are going to uh, have facial recognition of our driver's licenses so that they can, like, you know, fight against terrorism or, like, you know, scare us about stuff so that we don't concentrate on the bad job <laughs> they're doing or whatever it is that the policy actually is. But, yeah, so facial recognition's everywhere. But what does that mean... With the driver's license, I don't understand. Like, how would that be employed? So you scan well, your driver's license now, when you go in somewhere or something. Well, no, basically because they when they took the photo of us for our driver's license, mm. they have a picture of our face, so they can right, put so, that into a like a database, yeah. and then suddenly, yeah. you know, you just happen to be in the same area as a terrorist, and yeah. you just happen to have some fertilizer because you have a new garden at home and you wanted to take some fertilizer home, but you also needed some wires and stuff for the podcast and, you know, a balaclava. Yeah, you when know, you, you, when know, you go through the airport and they get that little swab and they ask you, don't you love that? Like, that's always like, for me, it's like the chicken run. 
It's like you get through security, pick up your bags, and that guy's waiting there. And I'm like, I either make confidently make eye contact right. with him, you know, and just and, and look like I obviously have not been making explosives, and he'll let me through. Or does oh. making eye contact like does that invite him to call me over, or do I just ignore him, or does that make me look more suspicious as I'm getting my bags, hoping that he won't call me over? Well, here's the thing. I mean, we're both white men, so. Yeah. I imagine that when we are called upon... I'm, I'm bearded a lot of the time. I was going to say, you're a bit beardy and you're also tanned. So there is a <laughs> part of you that could be a sleeper agent. Yeah. You have a look which I would consult, call sleeper agent who's like made yourself look... Res- you have yeah. a very respectable terrorist who has a day job <laughs> yeah. look. White collar terrorist. Yeah. I'm, yeah. The guy who, <laughs> I'm the guy who goes to the boardrooms to sell arms. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you're more the nice face of the organization, but yeah. you're still involved. I'm almost. I would like to think I'm more like the sleazy guy in Die Hard. You know, the one, the right. co- the cocaine guy who tries to cut a deal with the terrorists and gets shot in the face. <laughs> yeah, booby. I'm your white Nate. I'm that guy. <laughs> yeah, you are that guy. I've always <laughs> thought like like I was if I'd been an adult in the '80s, that was the perfect era for me. I reckon I've got a good '80s look. Yeah, douchey 80s guy. Yeah, douchey 80s guy. I'm yeah. 100%. Like, we've talked about this before, that like white trash is a really good look for me. Like, I do well with oh, trucker yeah. hats and jeans and flannels and stuff. But I also look good like douchebag frat boy. Yeah, no, definitely. And like, but, but also... <laughs> Not even a moment's hesitation. Ex- no, but exactly the character you're talking about, which is that sort of like 30-something, like kind of hot like you would have got a lot of work just as that the guy that the girl goes out with before she goes out with the guy she's meant to go out with for the movie yeah yeah, yeah. like that would have been your ideal role yeah you would have been the douchey guy she leaves the guy she really should be with for yeah. a lot <laughs> i i could be the guy from the wedding singer the douchey bat the right? douchey guy uh uh gulia what's his name Something Gulia. Yeah. Whatever his name is, Gulia. I'm, I'm that but guy. But her name's Julia Gulia, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, And he doesn't get the joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the dumb, smug, frat boy loser. I mean, Gemma always tells a story about her first impression of me, and she always tells a story of like, you know, t- looked like a total private school, Hugh Grant, like chambray shirt, um, uh, 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 like uh, ivory slacks and like, you know, leather shoes. I've never owned that wardrobe in my life. Right. But that's the impression she got. But we can all got. see you yeah. in it. <laughs> totally. <laughs> like polo club, yeah. private school. Even though, you know, they go to a private school, but I've never been that guy. No, you've never been that guy, but it's just the guy that your face suits. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, in the same way as Steve Buscemi could be like, you know, an angel, but you've just got a face that you've got to sort of lean into the characters that that face suits. Yeah, you get typecast. Right. Yeah, I did, when, years ago, I did an acting class um, which was like a, uh, it was more of an audition class, I guess. And so it was all about like first impressions. What, and, what, and we did this exercise where we went around, say there was 10 people in the class. We went around each student and you had to write down, if you're a casting agent, like three things you'd cast that person oh, okay, as. yeah. And then we read them out. And it was like really interesting, a bit of an honesty session really. Right. Because like some people- It was like leading teams in the AFL. Yeah. Everybody that- sits down and you really get stripped down to very- Well, you get stripped down to your on first appearances commercial value. Exactly. And yep. mine was like- um, lawyer, cop, school captain, prefect, like all kind of white, oh, vanilla. The roles you've gone on to play. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> but then other people in the class, like this one poor guy, it was like criminal, yeah. gangster, right. taxi driver. Drug addict. 
One girl was yeah. like bimbo, trophy wife, playboy bunny. Yeah. Like, Domestic abuser. Yeah. Sex addict. Rapist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just imagine if you got that feedback from everyone. Everyone. But it is that thing where sometimes, I guess, when you see someone who plays like a really effective villain in something. And like then, the guy from who played all the villains in the 80s films, you know, Johnny from Karate Kid. Right. William Zabka. Yeah. And you go, well, what are you like in real life? And how much does the fact that you're a villain in all the things that people know you as eventually turn you into a villain? Do you know what I mean? Like, is there a well, sort in of- In real life? Yeah. Well, not in a, necessarily a villain. Right. But do the fact that do people have- Do you play have, up to it? Or the fact that people would even have that immediate interaction with you. Yeah. Like, you would want them to be villainous when you meet them, right? Yeah. Like, if you met- Sir So, An- would you play up to it? If you met Sir Anthony Hopkins- Yeah. And you didn't speak in long, laborious, pretentious sentences with that would seem to be hidden with meaning but probably meant nothing, you'd be like, well, this is not the Anthony Hopkins that I want, right? Yeah, but if you're- if you're known for being a douchebag, wouldn't you want immediately to have separation? When people meet you in real life, you would immediately want to separate yourself from that character and say, hey, you know, I'm quite goofy and quite funny and, you know, Oh, so you, th- you think they'd be, you'd be, that'd be the weird anecdote. Well, so people would go, oh my God, I ran into... Who, who was William the, Zabka. Well, yeah, William Zabka. <laughs> Fuck, you know what? In real life, though, the best. Yeah. Like, honestly... Yeah, B- I, Billy Zabs. I loved him, mate. Well, who wants to be known, like, unless you're a professional wrestler, right. you know, who's always maintaining kayfabe, like, who wants to constantly be known as, like, a, a dick or a villain? Well, I just wonder if it's not that you want to be that. Yeah. I think it's that people, so people want treat, you to be that. And they're going to treat you like that. Right, exactly. And so like, in the same way as if you're, a, like, a fighter in movies. Mm. Like, I bet Jason Statham doesn't go to bars until 2 o'clock in the morning because he knows that at some stage some dickhead's going to get full of booze and have a fucking crack at the title, you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> I actually had a dude say that to me in a pub, like a guy who wanted to fight me. He actually, like, he challenged me by saying, do you want a shot at the title? And I was <laughs> so... What title fl- do you hold? <laughs> exactly. I was so flummoxed by the suggestion as a title. I didn't know if we were still meant to fight. <laughs> like, right. uh, what, uh, what do you, a video game I champion? Mean, or? how is it that I achieved this title <laughs> yeah. that you speak of? Yes. I am a duke. Right. I will challenge you to three riddles, <laughs> each more complicated than the aforementioned one. Yeah, it was a real, it was a real strange, uh, uh, like bro down move. I had a guy yell at me outside a uh, bar on William Street uh, uh, that he thought I yelled too much in my comedy, and I was like, "Well, you yell a bit too much to strangers <laughs> in the fucking street, mate." So we've all got our crosses to bear, I guess. You, does that doesn't happen a lot to you, though, really, where you get oh, yelled at on the street? No, no, not really. People are generally pretty nice to me, I will say. Like, and, it, and even like when people are mean on the internet and stuff, it's the exception rather than the rule. So I, in general, um, I think I have a pretty good like life with that stuff. But mm-hmm. I did get yelled at by an old lady the other day. Oh, really? Yeah. So um, uh, on Wednesday, because we take Gruen on Tuesday nights, and then on Wednesday I do press all day. Yeah. And a lot of that press, I go to radio stations in the morning and then like I go into the ABC because I have a Gruen meeting during the day. And, but I do all the ABC stations sort of around the country from the Sydney ABC. And so uh, I do all that. And then my last engagement of the afternoon is this thing I do at four live with Richard Glover on Sydney radio. And then I have one more phone call at five o'clock. So what I do is after the Richard Glover interview every week, I start walking home and then when i get this interview call i go to somewhere quiet i yeah. do the interview and then i'll get in a cab or on the bus or whatever to get the rest of the way home yeah. so i do this every week and so i'm always at a slightly different spot 
when the call comes through. So I always have to find somewhere new that's quiet to duck off. So I'm walking down Oxford Street in Sydney and I know the call's coming up and i like, oh, I haven't been in this area before. Mm. And so I go back one street and I'm like, oh, this is amazing. So basically all the, <laughs> all the kind of houses have their own... It's not a private garden. It's yeah. like, but they're all around it in a circle. Yeah. And they have like a patch in between of like grass and stuff that they've Cold got a, a bench on and stuff like that, right? Yeah. And it's kind of hidden off the street. You wouldn't know it yeah. was there. And it's really, really Great, great to take a quiet phone call in. Uh, awesome place to take a... Pl- and it's public land. Like, I'm not walked into someone's backyard <laughs> You or just kick open someone's front door. Hey, fucko, I've got to take a call. So, here's the thing, Charlie. That Adam Hills is a real prick. Even though it was technically public land, it turns out when you're a group of apartments and you have a little bit of stuff inside there... Protective. Yeah, it, people are protective. Yeah, right. So, yeah. She, so she yelled at so, you from the apartment? While I was on air. So I am halfway through the interview. So I'm going live to air on Birth Radio. Oh, wow. And this old lady starts, and I'm not saying like, could you please be quiet or anything like that? Could you please stop yelling? And like, it's just coming through so loud. But I'm trapped in this conundrum where I'm trying to explain to the people on the radio what's happening, but at the same time, remove myself from the situation. But I have to keep going with the interview and I need to keep talking at a certain level so that they can hear me in the interview. But that's just making her angrier. <laughs> this lady who thinks I'm not even paying attention to her. How old do you think she was? Uh, you know, I saw her. Uh, well, I saw her through the trees, but I would say like mid seventies to eighty. Because you get to a point, you get to it a was point, five in the afternoon. But you get to a point, I think, where you just don't give a fuck. There is a person who lives in the vicinity right. of my building. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. Let's not give too many details. <laughs> who is very sensitive to sound? I've come to realize to the point where. Um, like your friend who was yelling at you, because where we live, a lot of shops and businesses and stuff, so there's deliveries happening all day. There's even yeah. like a drop-off zone outside our building. And this dude was just doing a delivery, pulled his truck over, jumped out, left the engine running, and she came out and told him, before he dropped off one more thing, to turn that engine off. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. We live right next to a busy road right. where we have buses going. But this particular noise where maybe where it's just outside her kitchen window or something like that. She has a zone. Yeah. She has a zone that she believes is her zone and there should not be noise in that zone. And clearly that's what this old lady was like. But yeah. here's the best bit. That wasn't even the end of it. Because as... I'm trying to exit from this garden area. One of the other neighbours who's been alerted by the yelling comes out of their domestic dwelling. Right, yeah, this is a real incident for the neighbourhood now, (laughs) right? And so she is now trying to work out what happened by asking me questions. She's wow, walked up to me oh, while God. I'm still trying to do this interview. Are you pointing to the phone? So, so yeah. yeah. But no, well, I don't need to, Charlie, yeah. because I have a phone <laughs> against my ear and I don't have a tiny phone. I have like a big phone. But she's like, what's going on? And then she's like, oh, did that yell at, lady yell at you? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, the late... And then I'm like, well, I can incorporate this into the interview, right? So I'm like, yeah, that lady yelled at me. And then... The, but the lady's still yelling because I've given her no <laughs> explanation of what is happening. But now I'm having a separate conversation uh, with another person while I'm trying to do this interview. And then she starts to gossip about this other woman. I, I What I realized was I'd stumbled into something that they had a pre-existing thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was looking for an excuse to get involved. Yeah. And now I'm involved. So now I'm literally just backing out of a the place. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. Right. That's what she saw. It was crazy. How did it get resolved? Well, I left. I just... <laughs> you I, I just ran. My stuff was doing the interview. I left there while doing the interview. What's Richard Glover saying? 
Oh, no, this was post-Richard. It was oh, per- right. Perth Radio. Oh, Perth Radio. Fred and Lisa. Perth Radio. Fred and Lisa. Yeah. On the... On, on whatever... The show the Fred and Lisa show. do. The Fred, Fred and Lisa Fred show. Fred and Lisa does not sound... It's not like... It should, shouldn't it be like Freddo and like L-Bag or something like that? <laughs> I was talking to Freddo and L-Bag <laughs> on so, Perth Radio. Fred and Lisa, just, Fred sounds, and Lisa. just sounds very gentle. It sounds like... If you had a poetry group you met with on a Sunday, it would be run by Fred and Lisa. You know what? It is the sort of radio show that feels a little like, it's just a nice party. That's actually what it feels like. Yeah. So to them, this felt like the best thing I've probably ever brought them. Because mm. normally I'm the guy who comes to their party and just plugs my TV show. Yeah. Whereas this week I was the guy who came to a party and there was an incident that they can now, you know, talk about I for was, ages. I've always found those radio interviews a bit strange because depending on how commercial the network is, like how hyped the, the hosts are and the questions are like, I always find that, you know, you'll chat to the producer or the host before they hit record and it's like we're talking now. Right. And then something happens to the conversation. We're all like, ha! Ah! Like everything you say has this kind of heightened value. You jump up by like 30%. It's like, well, well, you know what? Why don't we just keep talking like we're talking? Well, funnily enough though, there's another one that happens, uh, which is that, some people don't tell you when the interview has started. Right. Have you had that? No, maybe. It's like, because I do maybe 20, 25 interviews a week when Gruen's on. Mm. And so sometimes, like, you don't know if the interview started or not because they're asking you questions that are in a zone that it could be the interview yeah. or it could not be the interview. And then you're trapped in a point where I'm like, well, I don't want to come on, like, doing material yeah, yeah. because if this is it's, not the interview. Yeah. But if this is the interview, I don't want to just. Be like, if this is the actual interview, I don't want to be this boring. So just tell me when the interview starts. So sometimes I'll come in a bit like they'll be like, Oh, how was the show last night? And I'll be like, Oh, it was fantastic. We talked about this and blah, blah, blah. And then I realized, nah, Good. The interview has nine o'clock started. on a Wednesday, <laughs> 8 30. But anyway, whatever. <laughs> oh, sorry. I know you're part of that bloody Wednesday lineup thing. I've seen the ads. I've seen the I've seen the Disney uh, streaming ads, mate. We're part of that Wednesday lineup in the same way as Justin Timberlake was a part of InSync. Ah, but <laughs> uh, what else? What else? Oh, I uh, so Amy's been away. Yep. And uh, so, so the last time Amy left you alone, you fucked your back. Yeah, within, and got arrested. And got arrested like within a week. <laughs> Within a week of her being away last year, last week, uh, last, when was it? No, three months ago, four months ago. Right. Last time. Uh, yeah, within a week of that, I had fucked my back completely, which is still bothering me now, and I had been arrested. It's gone better this time. <laughs> so far. She's, so not back. Far. She's not back yet, mate. She is not back yet. But uh, what I have done, what it has meant is I've caught up on some superhero movies. Right. Because um, uh, I've been in charge of the uh, Apple TV account. <laughs> For one week. Yeah. And it's been great. So no more Morrissey documentaries for this week? <laughs> no, not for this week. <laughs> but what I have watched is um, I watched Spider-Man, uh, the new one. John I, Hughes' Spider-Man. John Hughes' Spider-Man. But I liked it. That's what yeah. I actually wanted from John Hughes' Spider-Man. I thought it was cool. I thought it was a... It's not one of my absolute favorites or anything, but I thought it was a good, fun... I haven't seen it ...well-made movie. How's Michael Keaton? Oh, so good. Is he? Oh, uh, yeah. You'll oh, love good. it. Because it's kind of like a... They've done a really good job with him where his character is so reminiscent of like, you know, it's a Batman meets Birdman. Right. Like kind so of- it's Angry Keaton. Yeah. Because I always, I mean, the thing about Michael Keaton that people forget, like he started off straight out comedy guy. He's had a bit of a Tom Hanks career, right? Like straight out comedy guy. He was known as a comedian first. Right. 
And then after Batman, he started doing dramatic roles and done some really dramatic roles. But um, I never quite buy him in soup. Like Birdman, I get because it's kind of like a tragic comedy character. Like there's there's a lot of humor in there. But when he plays like outright villain, like Pacific Heights or whatever, or or Desperate Measures, I'm always a little bit. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't well, know. here's the good news. Here's what I liked about it. Yeah, no, yeah, that's there terrible. Some terrible there's, farts there's, happening there's, right yeah, now. Yeah, and they've not been non-human there. farts. Yeah, canine farts. Yeah, exactly. No good. Yeah, Sorry. different artwork this week, Fuzzduck. Please. <laughs> yeah, it can't be everywhere. Yeah. Uh, so um, this is great because the emotional arc of the villain. This is what I will say about the movie is like, A, Tom Holland is fantastic. He's really good. And they do this thing at the start. There's some spoilers in this. I won't like, I don't I won't spoil the ending or anything, but yeah, I'm just going to cover yeah, my, okay. there's some spoilers in this, but um, one of the great things they do is there's sort of like, you see some of what happened in the Captain America movie um, from his perspective. Yeah. Like, you know, like and it's Rashomon in, style. Yeah. It's inter- <laughs> and it's intertwined in this movie, which is fun. Uh, his best mate, the comic relief is really, really funny. Uh, he's really fantastic. He does a great job. Tom and it's Holland. high school. Yeah, Peter Parker, school. like legit high school, not like 90210, Toby Maguire. No, they're I'm kids. 40 years old. At high, high school. school. And he's making decisions like a kid at high school, you yeah. know? And so, the premise of uh, Michael Keaton's villain, and I think this is just this is what I, I thought was really great about the movie is he's just actually an ordinary guy. He's a construction guy who has a contract to help rebuild post what the Avengers have done. But then Tony Stark comes in and his company takes over and essentially automation right drives him out of business. Right, drives him out of business. He's just your blue collar dude. Yeah, so there's this kind of legitimate story to why he becomes you know the person that he has to become. And then there's a real twist that I won't give away because it's an actual spoiler about who he turns out to be in the movie, which is really rewarding. So you get him to, you get to see him play ordinary working class guy. You get to see him play like over the top sort of villain guy. And you get to see him play, even if he's pretending to play it, a kind of ordinary everyday character as well when he's forced to, like in this scenario, so that I won't give away. But yeah, he's great. I think you'd love it for him alone. But I think you'll like the whole movie. Did you see The Founder? We talked about this before. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, yeah. That was that was a, that's a good villain performance from him. When he embraces quirky and weird and just a bit right. kind of left ca- centre, but also charismatic quirky. Yeah, because that's the thing about him that's appealing. Because what's that movie where he's um, they're all uh, like mental pa- patients? Uh, in the Dream hospital? Team. <laughs> Dream Team. Which yeah. I imagine this is a guy can only speak in radio call baseball cliches. If you watch that now, yeah. does not maybe paint the progressive look at mental illness that it was meant to back then. No, and that's also a classic example of a Michael Keaton performance I never quite buy because he's playing... Essentially, it's a riff on Jack Nicholson in Cuckoo's Nest. Right. He's playing like the kind of dangerous... He's a violent offender in the mental... And it's like... I don't know. I mean, you're you're definitely odd and interesting. I think you're weird, but I don't know that you're like a dangerous, violent offender. But what he is good at doing is convincing you while he's being weird and all those sort of things that he's also charismatic and you understand why people might follow him him and do what he does. So I think he works really well in the movie. No, it's it's a really successful movie, I think. Like, it's not completely I don't know if I'm... I I don't know why I haven't seen it. I'm not against seeing it. I just... I feel like... I didn't like those last two ones, the no, Andrew Garfield. This is heaps better. Andrew Garfield, the sexiest fucking nerd Peter Parker ever. Like, how could you completely get the idea of Peter Parker wrong by casting that dude? I mean, he's, I guess he's not like Channing Tatum, but he's still a very good looking, cool dude, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You, don't, you don't really, like you're going, 
I get you as a guy pretending to be a nerd because you're a hipster. Yeah. But you're not an actual nerd. No. No. It's like Toby Maguire was a nerd, yep. but he was just 40 years old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like, you know, this one's too hot, this one's too cold. Ah, this one's just right. They got the right dude. Well, they cast a kid. They cast a kid who's like capable of, you know, being the fucking anchor and lead in a movie. Mm. And they do some really nice plays on things as well, because obviously Iron Man features pretty heavily in this because, you know, he's sort of guiding him through. But it's mostly um, old mate, you know, uh, swingers. Um, Vince Vaughn. No, the one who directs Iron (laughs) Man. Oh, John Favreau. John Favreau. Yeah, right. Yeah, playing his, you know, Lucky or whoever he is. Yeah, what is he? The limo driver bodyguard. Yeah. Yeah. Happy. Slash, yeah, happy. Happy. Happy Happy Madison. Oh, (laughs) the joke, of course, is that he's not happy. So I probably should have remembered that. It's an ironic nickname. But he, he's in it more than uh, Robert Downey Jr. is. And they do this thing d- during the movie where you're like, ah, Downey Jr. didn't want to be on set. So all these things are, which is easy to do with Iron Man. Yeah, you yeah. can just get him. So there's a lot of him in other scenarios when the robot's with yeah. Spider-Man, you know, like yeah. just zooming in. Yeah. You're like, this is clever. But then there's a twist again on that at the end where you go, ah, and it pays off. Yeah. It's that sort of movie. Have you seen Lucy, that uh, Scarlett Johansson film? Yeah. Where, yeah. And- Morgan Freeman's in it as like a co-star, double like equal billing, I guess. But it's so clearly that Morgan Freeman had five days. Right. So they got him into like the lab set and they just shot all his dialogue and then they just spread those five days out throughout the film. But they're not in the same film. They got him into where wherever Samuel L. Jackson does his betting ads. Yeah. And they- <laughs> uh, but I also saw Wonder Woman, yeah. which I believe you have seen. I yes? have seen. Yes. So... Uh, when Wonder Woman came out, uh, we got a little bit of you know uh, feedback from people just going, "When are you going to talk about Wonder Woman?" But it, and uh, the answer is uh, never now. <laughs> no, now, now. Uh, the reason I had not seen it was I had a period of time where I couldn't sit down and couldn't go to the movies. Uh, but I have watched it now. And what did you think of Wonder Woman? I liked it. Yeah, me too. I mean, I think I. Th- the third act is the same as all yep. the other terrible ones. It's just a waste of time and, yep. and boring. But I think there is enough about it. The thing I always, the thing I was, I was talking to my, my wife about it the other night, and I was saying like, before I saw Wonder Woman, if you had asked me, have you ever seen like an action film like where the females are lead, and you know you see women being strong, and I'll be yeah, of course, you know yeah. Sarah Connor and Ripley or whatever. But it wasn't until I actually saw Wonder Woman that I realised, oh no, I actually haven't seen it. I think I've seen the idea of strong women, but that scene in Themyscira where all the women are training and they're clearly all actual MMA fighters, stunt women, athletes, and they're doing all... I mean, there are some beautiful model-type actresses thrown around as well, but you see these very physically capable women and it actually made me feel quite emotional. It's like, oh, I actually haven't seen this before. I've taken it for granted and I've just assumed... Like the the, well, the also, Mandela effect that I have seen it, but I had the s- lack of the female guys, and this is a male, thing, male the guys. male guys. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, sorry, is that idea that, and and that idea that I, you know, I guess we you don't get familiar with until people start demanding that you know it should be there. You know, I think if it's not meant for us, if things are through the guys that men are, like, you know, if the idea is that things are through the male prism, mm. I don't think it's, you know outrageous that we didn't notice yeah because that's that's it's literally it's been normal to funneled us. through the prism whereby we view the world yeah but the minute it's like one of those things that once you're aware of it you yeah. can't you, you now you can't miss it and 
when you watch that movie, one of, I thought, the most impressive things where you're like, yeah, I've seen this. I've seen women being mm. powerful and stuff in things, but so rarely have you seen it in a way that doesn't linger in that sort of male gaze way or fantasize yeah. or idealize well, you, in that male gaze way. You read that James, what James Cameron, you know, he came out and was like, you know, she's still this like object of, of desire and, you know, Sarah Connor is a real female character, blah, blah, blah. Like, I get what he's yeah. saying, but she is an idealized character. She's Wonder Woman in the same way that Henry Cavill, not every guy looks like Henry Cavill. Like, Superman is meant to... He's a Superman. Superman. <laughs> look amazing and make the right choices. You know, snapping necks left and right. <laughs> but, you know, apart from that, doing the right thing generally. And it's the same thing with her. But I agree. Like, she is beautiful and, you know, you can't take your eyes off her. But it's not in... It's not in that sexualized, you know, even um, who, who does Scarlett Johansson play? Black Widow. Like mm. Black Widow, it's definitely sexualized. That yeah. cat suit, cat woman, always sexualized. This, it kind of looks like she's wearing a netball uniform. Right. Like I know it's a short skirt and stuff, but it was functional. And, you know, that shot where she goes into no man's land, where she climbs up the ladder. If Michael Bay had directed right. that, where do you think the camera would have been? When she climbs up that ladder. Four helicopters <laughs> yeah. flying up, up her ass. Yeah, they would have had to actually train guys for two years to fly a helicopter up the side of a cliff yeah. just to get the shot of her ass. I mean, I, this is something that uh, I've been talking about a lot because my wife is a director and she, you know, talks a lot about the male gaze and, you know, the kind of work that she tries to do and why she sometimes does or doesn't get a job is her gender comes into play. It doesn't happen a lot with male directors, but, you know... You can actually be told as a female director, oh, it's okay, we have a female director on our book, so right. we don't need to see you're real. As if women are all programmed, programmed to do the same thing. Right. But there's another show I saw, Glow. Have you seen that? It's yeah, the, absolutely. Yeah. It's fantastic. That is the same thing. Like, there's stuff I watched in that, which if you'd asked me before, and have you seen like a show that's a comedy drama, you know, women-focused, that's, you know, I would have gone, yeah, sure, oh, of course, I've seen it. But then I watched that show and I was like, I actually haven't seen anything like this where you see women who aren't, who are so flawed, you know, doing something really physical and being stupid and goofy and stuff, but also like whole kind of discussions, like when all their periods sync up and stuff. Like, and I grew up with like five sisters, you know right. what I mean? But I haven't seen that stuff represented in popular media before. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you. And I think we haven't appreciated how different that idea of not just. It not being the male gaze, but exactly what you're saying, which is that there's not one female gaze. No. I mean, tr we're going to be truly equality. Yeah. When we, when you said, imagine if Michael Bay did that, we're also quoting, you know, the example of the female Michael Bay. Yeah. Who's like, oh, you know, so-and-so, blah, blah, blah. Gosh, four helicopters on that guy's <laughs> cock, didn't she? <laughs> Have you seen one of her movies? It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, women should be able to be everything. Yeah. Women should be able to be like beautiful and poetic mm. and, you know, like this and like, you know, whatever, but also be, you know, sexualized and sexual and, you know, the female Tarantino should be somebody that is coming along and all these things in a way and, and in a way that, aren't the female Tarantino. They're yeah. their own thing that hasn't been before because that voice hasn't been able to be expressed. What was that film, um, that David Fincher film, Ben Affleck and Rosamund Pike, about the wife who pretends to get kidnapped? Gone Girl. Gone Girl. No. Is that what it's called? I think it was called Gone Girl. Or is that the... Are you talking about the one where, where he, his wife he thinks his wife uh, been kidnapped? Oh, no. That's the one where he, they thought he killed his wife. 
Yeah, what's that one? Is called? that the one? I think the, is that the one you're thinking about? Yeah, yeah, Gonga. Wasn't it called Gonga? Just look it up. Yeah, I am going to look it up. But I, well, I didn't look up David Fincher. I just looked up Gone Girl. But I suppose, you know, either of them will uh, solve the problem. Just put they? a picture of Gone Girl. In yeah, Google I'm going to find picture matches. I'm going to find a picture of Gone Girl, and then see if um, uh, it's the one we're talking about. So um, here we go. Uh, Gone Girl is a 2014 American psychological thriller yeah. uh, directed by David Fincher. Yeah. And written by Gillian Flynn, based on her 2012 novel of the same name. Right. So, spoilers. We're going to talk some spoilers yeah. just so I can do it this article. There was a great article. The girl is gone. <laughs> but she comes Have back. you seen it? Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, right. So, you've got a, 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 a female protagonist in this film who is kind of like a duplicitous, devious right. kind of character who goes to extreme lengths to, you know, uh, punish her husband. Yeah. And... A lot of people are uncomfortable with the subject because it has things like, you know, faking rapes and assaults and all that kind of stuff. Right. But and I get that. Like, totally. I, mean, I totally get that because what you're doing is you, in in a sort of, I watch a lot of Law and Order. Yeah. But the, the statistics on how many women fake rapes versus the ones that are actually real that are, un, you know, reported and unresolved and whatever is so minuscule. But if you watch Law and Order, you would think it was like one in three. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I understand that idea of like, like, yeah, you know, putting why out, feeding, why right. don't feed into the popular don't narrative. feed, you know, a narrative that is damaging to you know something that isn't true. So I read this great article by this female journalist who was like, "Well, look, this isn't real life. This is a work of fiction. And if you are talking about women should be represented in every way, then we have seen that horrible manipulative villain character, male, that Hannibal right. Lecter character, a thousand times." But very rarely have we seen that in a woman. We've seen like a woman be very chaste and, you know, uh, uh, honorable and whatever. But why don't we have, let's, and, and let's fill in all the in between yeah. of those two polar opposites as well. So we see well, stories of the problem, all kinds right? of women. The problem is when f- people don't feel like the in between is being filled in. Yeah. And they feel like the one thing that's been, like, uh, an example would be, um, you know, the idea of like if you're a Middle Eastern actor, in the same way as you might have been, uh, typecaster's 80s douchebag boyfriend <laughs> uh there's been a period of time since uh 9-11 where if you are a middle eastern actor there's Just only certain playing. roles <laughs> that you you know are going to be offered when it comes to hollywood and the idea that you have to break out of that you know i've been watching my friend kumar nanjiani who's a stand-up comedian like you've seen him transition from being you know like, I'm Pakistani, so, you know, I'm going to play the IT nerd in something th- through to being able to, you know, be a leading... Romantic comedy. Yeah, a leading man and now, like, hosting Saturday Night Live, which is, you know, amazing. But but I imagine for, uh, you know, women, in some ways, it's still almost been harder. And then because, of course, as a woman, you can be any of those other things still as well. You can still be a Pakistani woman or you can still be a Middle Eastern woman or you can still be like, you know. Well, I think the thing about Glow is I met one of the writers from that show when I was in LA and I know this season definitely it's all uh, all writers, all directors will be female. Okay. And I think for that first season, because I was looking at the credits, I, I think it was predominantly female. Yeah. Maybe a couple episodes directed by a guy. Yeah, I think there was definitely like a lot of female names. I did notice that. It was, well, it's created was like, by women and, and right. definitely the two head writers or the creators of the show were women. But I think that, like, it definitely, it definitely created a show that, well, it spoke to me in a way that I hadn't heard before. Like, right. definitely that that voice of having, I mean, because I would have been maybe cynical about that beforehand. Well, I think there's something to be said in the idea of 
um, about us by us. You know, that there is an insight into something you can get. If you are going to be, there's insight into, like, it's not to say that men don't have legitimate insights into women. Like, when we can't be human beings. Yeah, if we they don't. love shopping and they're always on the phone with their friends. Right. Legitimate insights. But the point being, we're never going to be anything together if we don't try to understand each other and make observations about each other. In the oh, same way. Oh, God, Will, that's too hard. Don't tell me people are complex, that they contain both good and bad, and that perhaps if we just got to know each other a bit more, we'd realize we have more in common than we have differences. Boo! 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 How, how do I bomb anybody if that's Boo! the case? <laughs> Didn't you see what that guy said on Twitter? Boo! <laughs> No, I hear you, but there is that thing where I guess, I mean, fuck, we're two white men on a podcast, like trying to you yeah. know, work our way through this as an idea. But I know that as a consumer of media, that's what I'm going to say is I also am sick of this, you know, there being, because, you know, there's only five or 10, you know, ways that men are telling stories, right? Mm. So eventually, if you have like 20 men or 30 men or 50 men or 100 men, you're hearing just different versions of those five or 10 of things, right? Yeah. The value that I'm getting from hearing people talk about their own stories and tell their own stories from the perspective that I might not have thought of or that I might not have shot it or I might not have told the story. Mm. Like even that idea of going... Like one of the shows that I love, which is mostly, you know, know, female driven is Broad City. Have you ever watched Broad City? No, but I know it. So I hate that. Broad City. (laughs) Yeah. I hate Broad City. I watch every episode and and I hate it. Women. (laughs) So I hate women. I didn't before I watched Broad City. No, I hate kind of that long form sketch comedy dressed as sitcom-y stuff. Or so I thought until I watched Broad City. And what I realized was just the way that that stuff has been done by kind of predominantly men so far, yeah. I hadn't found anything that had appealed to me. But mm. the rhythm of how they make Broad City, and it is a genuinely, it's a different rhythm to the things that you see men make. There's times where you're yeah. just like, this is just not a beat a man would have put in this show, or this is this did not go the way that I imagined this would go because it doesn't fit my traditional narrative structure, but it's just their way of telling this story. And it's made me love that sort of stuff. Like, I mean, yeah. I I fucking adore that show. I think it's one of the best fucking comedy shows I've ever seen. It's funny, isn't it? Because you sort of, you don't want to put it down to, oh, I saw this female thing and I liked it. You know, like, therefore, women should be, no. no. You liked the people who created the right. thing who just happened to be women. It's yeah. kind of, I realize like how, you know, it, it could sound patronizing or Of whatever. course it will. Like, I mean, of course, like, this is the, thing about us talking about this stuff is of course it's going to fucking yeah. sound we're going like, to get it it's wrong it's like uh, Keith, so Ol- Keith Olbermann coming out and going well I never liked rap music until uh, Eminem came out and slammed Donald yeah. Trump it's you're like, like uh, oh god don't, don't listen to some of his old stuff mate <laughs> Char- Charlie and I went to an Eminem concert and we loved it we loved but it but we were challenged <laughs> by a lot of opinions <laughs> I went and saw Eminem like when he first came out in like 2001, yeah. I think it was. Was that in Melbourne or Sydney? Melbourne. You saw him? Did you see that? Wait, nah, that? Where, where, it was at some big stadium though, wasn't it? Where uh, was that at? No, it was at um, Rod Laver. Okay, Rod Laver Arena, Rod which Laver is still Arena. pretty big. I think, so, yeah, I think Rod- it's like about 15,000 yeah. people were there. But I remember, because I you know, heard the Marshall Mathers LP and the Eminem, I think that, that was off the back of the second album. Yeah. And I remember going, I couldn't find one friend who would go with me. So I went on my own. 
You hadn't met me yet. No, <laughs> that's right. It was because I moved to Sydney like two weeks later. And I went on my own and I remember sitting there and thinking, oh, <laughs> this is juvenile. Like it was just, I mean, the crowd was just filled with like wannabe homeboys and stuff. Uh, and it was, it I, was filled with people who've uh, grown up to become members of the alt-right. Yeah. Which is the one thing that I thought about that Eminem thing. Cause I thought it was like, was not my, fa- like as a person who has much admired Eminem's rhyming and like, you know, use of language, not one of my favorite Eminem, like, you know, versus freestyles, whatever by far. Yeah. Um, and I like, you know, his stuff when it is a bit provocative, where you're like, I don't agree with this, but like I'm provoked by the thought or process or whatever. But the fact that he, someone who would have a, an, a, a huge percentage of his audience, I think, who would have some sort of um, sympathy with the alt-right, if mm. not with Trump, mm. was willing to kind of do that and at the end sort of say to his fans, and if fuck you don't off. like it, fuck off. Yeah. That's the bit of it that I genuinely did find... A powerful. little bit powerful. Yeah. Because not the words, because he said a whole bunch of other words too about a whole bunch of things that if you're suddenly ju- judging these ones on face value, <laughs> you have to have a, a lot of serious conversations about some other topics. But as an artist willing to go out there and say, like to, yeah, KLF style, burn a fucking pile of money in front of people to make a point, that was the bit of it that I did kind of like. Do you think that he, the, at the level of success he's at, I mean, he doesn't have to worry about money. He doesn't have to worry about selling tickets. Of course he doesn't. It's a nice, easy position to make that. But still, a lot of people who have heaps of money, um, like, you get used to yeah, having it. Yeah, I mean, I was, I, was su- I was surprised when I, when I saw it because I hadn't heard anything from him or seen anything of that he had a well, position either way. you know way. what it was? I think it was the thing that was the black athletes. Right. You know I mean? He's a white guy who, to his credit has always been very aware of the fact that he works in a predominantly black culture and has always surrounded himself and highlighted, you know, black artists and sort of like understood. Like he didn't come in like the white guy who in thought he invented the black guy's thing. Vanilla Rice, you mean? (laughs) I didn't want to name him, but you know the guy I mean. No, but I mean, as an art form, Eminem... People might have, if you, you could be. It's not like Elvis. Right. Where he came in. Appropriated it and kind of took credit for it. And this is mine. Yeah. He was very. Eminem. Yeah. Because that sort of thing where you go, well, he's a white guy appropriating a black. No. He didn't put himself in that role. Yes. I think the public's reaction to the first white rapper and him. Yes. Obviously, there was some element of. Yeah, race and racism in that, but he himself has always been, you know, incredibly respectful of, you know, what who invented the art form in which he has managed to yeah. kind of make himself millions. And I think when they came at black people that hard and in that such a obvious way, I think that for him that was like a that's what that's what it felt like anyway to me. It I mean, felt like it, it was like But it's also know. the kind of thing that a dude who's built his career off being like saying like stirring the pot right. and rebelling, like you're going to rebel. Like he, you know, every gov- every president who's in, he's had a rhyme about the, whoever was in. So if he didn't do it with Trump, it would kind of be more out of character. Well, But yeah, to see him come that hard. Yeah, that hard. And I do think that he feels like there's some responsibility because I think that, the, you know, the people who are like, you know, putting their finger in the air, you know, Marshall Mathers style, some of them have grown up into people who voted for Trump. And I feel like he... Kind of, you know, the sort of people who love that sort of fuck you. Yeah, yeah it's true. I make fun of everything. Society. It is just like burn down the system. Let's burn down the system. And some of those people have grown up and become Trump voters. And I think maybe as an artist, he looks back and goes, well, you know, did what you, are the consequences of my art? Did you, there was an article that was circulating a, a few months ago now, I can't remember it, but it was 
along the same lines where someone was saying South Park has wrought this right. upon us, this apathy, this you know suspicion of kind of authority, this everything's yeah. a joke. The idea that everything is equally as shit as everything yeah. else. That you know, it, it, the idea that if you take the position that we can make fun of everything, then eventually everything feels like it's equally shit when things are actually not no. equally shit. Yeah. Some things are heaps more shit than other things. How do you feel about that? I uh, well, I mean, I don't think you can blame South Park for the fall of fucking civilization. <laughs> it's a great show, but but it's part of a pervasive. Like I think if you well, take, those guys, though, I think if you take Eminem and you take South Park yeah. and you take maybe they didn't. Uh, like, because you can't blame them for those things. No. But maybe we did not see in the appeal of South Park and in the appeal of Eminem and in the appeal of these things that we were getting warning signs of the fact that at some stage America was going to elect a fucking reality TV host as their fucking president. I mean, they elected Roland Reagan, who was an actor. Like, mm -hmm. we've seen some signs. Yeah. You know, they invented, they elected an idiot just because he was a son of another guy that they didn't mind that much. Like, the country's been giving us plenty. It's like we've gone, yeah. well, what happened with America? Yeah. And you're like, we've been, We've been driving this right. car that's had an odd rattle right. under the bonnet for quite some time. Yeah. You know? and sometimes you Black just, smoke's billowing yeah, out of it. Sometimes you just hit the steering wheel and a light comes on. <laughs> yeah. like, no, it just does that. It just does that. I'm sure that's not a sign of anything. Well, it's funny. I was talking to a millennial friend of mine, probably younger than millennial. Is 24 millennial? I don't know. I don't, know. I don't really know what the definition is. A young fella. Okay. Um, <laughs> Which proves you're not a millennial. But we were talking about like environmental issues and he was saying that the dominant feeling amongst his friends is that they've inherited this fucking shit heap. Nothing fucking matters. It's all fucked. Right. So what's the point? What is the point though? Like, I, I mean, they make a valid argument. So, Millennium, also known as Gen Y. Oh, did you know that Millennials are Gen Y? No. I thought they were, I thought they were younger. Yeah. Uh, the demographic cohort following Generation X. No precise a, a demographic dates. cohort. Yeah. That's a great band name. Yeah. The demographic cohort. Like, guys, we're a demographic cohort. <laughs> and we believe that nothing really matters anymore. Well, not me. I have more of a kind of nihilistic view of the world because I'm Generation X. <laughs> and then the other guys, well, I'm a baby boomer. I profited off my ideals that I sold out. It's really hard for us to write songs. We're never really on the same page, guys. We thought this would be a really good conceit for the band. All right, one, two, three, four. <laughs> Can we just pause it? Democratic... Uh, no, what is it called? Demographic. Demographic. Sorry, cohorts. we had a pause and I've come back really with a stumble. <laughs> the Democrats. Are... The Democratic cohort. No, the Demographic cohort. Yeah. That, our, that was the our name new of the band. band. Yeah. So, well, here's the thing. In the break that we've had, I've actually started thinking about this because yeah. I think we were going to move on, you know, with a new topic. But mm. I've been thinking about. I booked a venue. <laughs> I've been thinking about Demographic cohort and I could see how that band would come together. Yeah. And I'm actually surprised that it hasn't already. Yeah. Some band where the hook is. The, it would be a great... They get you know Ringo Starr on drums. No, well, you know what would be a great? It would be a great X Factor or yes. like one of those sort of things. Hey, no, where the hook a, of the band is... It's in excess ever, Rockstar. It was like when the second series of Rockstar when they put together Supernova. Right. But instead of Supernova, you put together the demographic cohorts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you're looking for... So you've yeah. got like, you know, five guys who are auditioning for the... Yeah. Well, who's the oldest you're going to go? Is there something... Well, I would say Baby Boomers. So is Ringo Starr? How old are the Baby Boomers? They're in like the seventies. Okay, yeah, it's okay. Baby boomers. Okay, we so, can't go much higher. So than can that. Ringo can go on drums. So right? we get a get baby. We get a baby boomer a on drums. A baby boomer. What's do in we between really baby want, boomer and Gen X? Do we really want a baby boomer on drums though? 
that feels like okay. All right, it well, feels like the rhythm section is the first one to go. Okay, so we'll get all we'll bass easy, right? Bass. Paul McCartney. Yeah, so we we'll get Paul, Mac- Paul, Paul McCartney. <laughs> we get Paul McCartney, and we're like, you're playing bass. <laughs> like, maybe some backup vocals, <laughs> Sir Paul. <laughs> Uh, okay. Would you like it? The shot of the title. That's his song that he contributes to the. So album. we can get. Dave- oh, so this is like our traveling Wilburys, yeah. but of different generations. Yeah. So oh, this is great. Actually. So can we get? Uh, so Sir Paul McCartney on our, bass. On bass. So on drums, you want someone with energy? Why don't we get Dave Grohl, Gen X, representing Gen Perfect. X? Dave Grohl plays drums and also does some vocals. Yeah. This is great. And so I think we and need- write some songs. Yeah. This is great because traveling McCart- Wilburys and, and, and Paul and Dave are mates, I believe. Uh-huh. And how good would they be collaborating? Didn't they get denied from a Grammys after party. <laughs> The new McCartney Grohl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd love it. Okay, yeah, that's great. So, yeah, um, Dave Grohl. Rock and Grohl. Yeah, Rock and Grohl. So, he's... That's, no, okay. that's the name of no, his no, song. He yeah. contributes to the album. <laughs> I want to rock and grohl all night. <laughs> I want to rock and grohl all night. Okay, so we've covered off Baby Boomers. So, yeah. I guess we need a millennial. Yeah, so, well, hang on. We need a Gen Y. Oh, no, that oh, is Gen, Gen Y. y. So, yeah, so, what's no, between what's between Baby Boomers? Gen X. It goes Gen X, Baby Boomers. Millennial, I guess. Is that it though? Like, so what? Uh, Twenty year periods? Yeah, but uh, there must be like a. Well, what are the ones who are? Well, okay. So like, if if you're born in the fifties to seventies is baby boomer. Okay. Then seventies to nineties is Gen X, and then nineties to now is the generations. Which generation are you? Here we yeah. go. All right. So, uh, according to this chart. Oh, okay. Here we go. The silent generation, so we shouldn't have them involved. No, wrong. But that was they uh, can produce. That was uh, birth stats, uh, nineteen twenty-five to nineteen forty-five. Okay, well, George Martin could have done it, but he passed away. Yeah. Okay. So our producer can be from the silent generation. In yeah. fact, they can be George Martin. Yeah. The ultimate in silence <laughs> is being dead. Ah! So. <laughs> produced by George Martin uh, through a Ouija board from beyond the grave. <laughs> Then you've got the Baby Boomers, uh, 1946 to 1964. Okay. So, uh, Generation X, which is 1965 to 1979. So, that Dave Grohl seems, yeah, he fits in there. Yeah. And then you've got, uh, well, according to this, you've got Generation Y or the Millennials. Yep. Okay. So, so we just need one Which more. is 1980 to 1995. But- 1996, so what... Okay, so you can have someone who was born in 1996 in this band, so we need someone really young as well. They are Gen Z or Gen Alpha. Okay, so Millennial and then Gen Z? Oh, actually, it says according to this, Gen Z are people who were born 1996 to 2010, and then uh, 2011... Oh, yeah, we're not going to get a seven-year-old in the band. We're not going to get a child. So <laughs> no, no, so no, no, but like, never mind. We can get never some... mind, we can get a, a kid and put him in a pool for the <laughs> oh, album cover. So we'll get a kid... From Gen Alpha yeah, for, the for the album, album cover. cover. Yeah. Okay, this yeah. is great. We're yeah. really covering off some bases. Yeah. <laughs> produced by somebody, produced by George Martin from the, from the Silent, Silent Generation. Yeah. Uh, we have the baby from Gen Alpha. We'll yeah. get the latest one born just before the cover is shot <laughs> yeah. for the cover of Gen Alpha. Uh, so then we have to fill Gen Z, which is the youngest. Okay. Then we have the millennial one, which is 80 to 95, born between that time. And uh, yeah, so your generation okay, X. So we've, okay, yeah. so Martin, George Martin, starting from the bottom up. So yeah. Silent Generation, George Martin producers. Baby Boomers, Ringo on drums. Gen X, uh, no, sorry, no, no. Uh, uh, Paul, Paul McCartney, McCartney on, on bass. Bass <laughs> and vocals, <laughs> yeah. co-writing credits. Uh, Dave Grohl from... Dave Grohl, uh, yeah. On drums? On drums. Okay, so, so we need a millennial now. So what? let's yeah. say let's say it's a... It's a four piece because we're are we gonna no no we need a millennial and, and then we need y? a Gen Z yeah okay so it's so a, it's a it's a 
So we need someone Four who's piece, we yeah. need someone who's kind of in their sort of thirties. Well, we need a lead guitarist, and then we need someone who's like essentially under 20, 20 yeah. or under. So we need a guitarist. So who's like a you know a, a cool lead guitarist who's kind of in their thirties? Yeah. Like who are the biggest bands in the world these days? But like known for playing guitar. Well, I mean, oh, you know music better than me. You'd know someone. Wouldn't I you? mean, there's got to be good. Dan young, Sultan, young. <laughs> I mean, Dan Sultan to be wrapped to get involved <laughs> in a band that has Dave Grohl and Paul McCartney in it. Um, well, I mean, the biggest bands in the world at the moment. You're talking about Coldplay. They're probably still a bit too, too young, old. too old, old are they? I Sorry, reckon. yeah, about that. Um, what about? I like. What about a Beyonce? Can we get Beyonce involved in vo- on vocals? Okay, we'll Beyonce would we'll be the right up front. And we okay. need a female. Okay, but then we need to get a guitarist. Okay, in. well, that's but a then it's harder. Now we have to get a Gen Y guitarist. Nathan Cavalier. <laughs> <laughs> Who's 40 by now. <laughs> well, we'll we fo- don't have to have a guitarist. No, we could have a guitarist. That would be the easiest one to find from some popular young people's band right now. So there'd be if some. If we knew anything about young popular people, I'm going to look up uh, the, um, the what charts about, of 2017. How, how, Arcade Fire, are they old? Oh yeah, but no, they're a bit old, and then, and you know, and then. But gonna... but I'm trying to think of a guitar hero. Who's the modern guitar hero? Who who's like well, because it's not like who are your modern day like your Kenrick Lamars and people like that. They're not really good, you know, people who play guitars, are they? Um, okay, here we go. Um, this is the, welcome to the fucking out of touch <laughs> old men podcast. I mean, Taylor Swift isn't going to help us out, is she? Uh, and Beyonce can put the same band. First. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. All right. No. Uh, no, I think we need a, a Gen. A Gen Y guitarist. So, what well, is My Chemical Romance still a popular band? Well, could we get Dave Grohl to play guitar? Guitar, and we get and a young we drummer. Get like oh, a that's even young drummer. Fucking harder though. Name me your famous. Oh, I don't know any young bands. I mean, like I'm looking them up, and I don't know any. <laughs> Just look who's on the top of the charts now. No, mate, I am looking. And oh, I'm, no. There's uh, what there's about no okay, guitar there's a band bands that is on the popular. top of the charts. When I was in LA, everyone was talking about OK Pilot. Oh my god, or something <laughs> something Pilot. What are they called? Well, you haven't just helped me. In pilot- <laughs> <laughs> just type in pilot. I'm just going to type in pilot. Old men oh. Google young people's music. <laughs> most Something I'm, pilot? They most, won a Grammy, I'm sure. Uh, most popular bands 2017. I'm Thank Christ. That's what I'm going to do. Hang on. Here we go. All right. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> this is the most humiliating tofu we've ever recorded. What about Imagine Dragons? They're like a young person's band. Are <laughs> they really? Fallout Boy. What about someone from oh, no, Fallout Boy? They're our Boy? age. I'm sure mm, of it. Uh, yeah, it's a probably a good point. Um, Arctic Monkeys, they're a bit too old Is these days no as well. Is there band with Pilot in the title? I mean, okay, hang on. 21 Pilots. 21 Pilots? I think that's what they're called. Okay, uh, here we go. Most popular bands, Pilots. Um... 31 Pilots. Uh, Spotify reveal. Okay, let's have a look at Spotify reveal top 20 rock bands in the world. Okay. okay. According to Spotify, in on J- July the 14th, 2017, okay. these were the most popular bands. I'm having an anxiety attack that we don't world. know. I feel like we have Alzheimer's or something. Okay. In first place, Coldplay. Oh. In second place, 21 Pilots. <laughs> going insane for the people who this is the first time i've ever really wanted us to have a A video 
on this because Charlie literally ran out of the office and boxed <laughs> with one of my trees. <laughs> like you literally, there's this, like I have this tree in the backyard. I don't know what sort of tree it is, but it has large like fronds or something or like whatever you call What do you call those well, I don't things? Know, palm. Palm things, but you boxed it. <laughs> you boxed it in joy. I was so happy. Well, it's so good that they came in because literally listen to this. These are the Spotify top 21s in 2017. Uh, Coldplay, 21 Pilots. The Beatles, oh, Lincoln Park, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Panic at the Disco, Metallica, Arctic Monkeys, Queen, oh Fallout Boy, Green Day, ACDC, Pink Floyd, Blink 182, oh. Paramore, Guns N' Roses, Nirvana, The Rolling Stones, The 1975, they're a modern band. Okay, we'll take one of them. <laughs> so <laughs> Who plays guitar? So literally there were two bands. Gen Y. On that entire list. So what we've learned from Spotify is all modern music is shit. And ads have power on the article. <laughs> well, okay. So um, I'm assuming there's a guitarist for 21 Pilots. Okay. i number two on the list. So we get the guitarist from 21 Pilots. Whoever you are. Whoever you are. <laughs> Do they even have guitars? Are they maybe... Oh, that's a rock. You looked up... It's rock, right? You know what? I'm going to look... You're the rock man. Uh, Can you look up their most popular song? Can you oh, play their most popular song? Hang on. I'm going to look up 21 Pilots on Wikipedia. Let's learn some something more. Okay. So firstly... Here's what you got to know about 21 Pilots. There's uh, 22 of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's an ironic title. But only 21 of them is a, a pilot. Uh, pilots. They're all qualified pilots. Here's what you got to know about them. There's 22, but they are all qualified pilots. Uh, 21 Pilots, stylized. So when you write it, it's spelt out. So the word 20 spelt out in all caps. Yeah. And then the word one spelled out in all caps, but with a uh, strike through the middle, like a Ghostbusters zero. or like a, you through know, the, through, through the, the zero. Okay, right. And then through in pilots, through the, like the O as well, there's the- The same anarchist yeah, kind of- So that 21 pilots, <clears throat> like this, see, like the no smoking sort of sign. So 21 pilots. It's, no, it's more like what you'd see in Thor's name written- Okay. It was written in like Viking, right? All right. It's yes, they're a Viking band. Yeah. <laughs> 21 Vikings was the original name of the band. Uh, is an American musical duo. Okay. Well, no, one of them's got to no. play guitar, right? One of them's got to be really good at guitar, yeah. you'd think, right? Yeah. Okay. Originating from Columbus, Ohio. Oh, okay. Uh, the band was formed in 2009 by lead vocalist Tyler Joseph, two first names. Lead vocalist. Along with former members Nick Thomas and Chris Sarley, who left in 2011, mm. and currently consists of Joseph and drummer Josh Dunn. So I, I imagine that Joseph is the guitarist. Is the guitarist? Joseph, well. you're in. You in, Joseph? So Joseph, uh, Tyler Joseph. Welcome to generational cohorts. Um, they put out two self-released albums. Blah blah blah. Uh, let's see when they took off. Uh, <laughs> when did the pilots take off? I like what you did there, Will. The duo achieved breakthrough success with their fourth album, Blurry Face, in 2015, <laughs> which produced the successful singles Stressed Out and Ride. <sighs> in addition, the single Heathens recorded for the soundtrack of the film. Okay. Heathens? So, what film do you think that uh, 21 Pilots released a uh, soundtrack uh, song from? Popular comic book movie film. Uh, and the song was Heathens that was in the film? The song was called Heathens. There's Heathens. And that is a, no, that's a clue. That is a clue. a clue? Yeah. Something to do with um, God? It's a comic book movie and they he, they are Heathens. 
So who are, who are the heathens in, in if you're talking religious? Uh, like who are the heathens? De- devils, demons. Yeah, that's uh, a good daredevil. No, no, but demon, some sort of group of people. So heathens. Uh, all right. That these heroes. Just tell me who it these is. These heroes are actually heathens. Oh, suicide, suicide squad. squad. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Uh, made the group the first alternative artist to have two concurrent top ten singles in the US. So how do they define alternative though? They get on to that soundtrack. Well, well, independent, I guess. I guess, I guess so. Can you play one of their songs? Yeah, okay. Can um, we play one of their songs? We, well, as long I as mean, we talk over it. We'll play some of it. As long as we review and criticize it. <laughs> I'm sure they have something better to do than so, sue us from... What? Uh, so was Heathens one of their... What, Let's go Heathens. We've both seen Suicide Squad, so we might have at least heard this song. So let's have a look at okay. Heathens. Uh, there's a little ad for... Uh, I can skip this ad though in two seconds. Yeah, don't there give him a free skip. bloody plug. There we go. Here we go. All right. Oh, I think the film clip might be from Suicide Squad. Or maybe this is the bit from Suicide Squad that they're going to play the song in. You can watch alone at home if you want. So at the moment, what I'm seeing is a lot of people in prison. And, um. Oh, oh yeah, I know this song. Do you know this so song? what we're seeing at the moment is it's not actually Suicide Squad. They're in a Suicide Squad style prison. Right. And he's in prison gear, yeah. the lead singer, uh, Tyler Joseph, I imagine. And so you're seeing him as if he were a member of the Suicide Squad. Yeah. You know this song? Do you know it? No. I do. They don't sound like a rock band. But though. his mate is in um in a cell playing drums. Oh, and now Will Smith's in it. We'll set it now. It's okay. Oh, so we're going rapping? from oh, and now old mate uh, Inferno or whatever his name is, he's in it. <laughs> Diablo. So Diablo, that's him. And uh, so old mate, he keeps touching the lead singer. Are you seriously going to narrate the whole music video? He's sitting in a cell now, rapping. It feels like he's kind of rapping, to be honest with you. Oh, now we're seeing Captain Boomerang. <laughs> so they've intercut scenes from the film with this film clip. So, but you have you heard this song? He I was have. not playing guitar though. So I've yeah, know. find another one. Mm. Okay, that does not sound like a rock band. That I mean, sounds like pop. That Rocky did it. It seemed like right. Here we go. Twenty one pilots. And these were number two on the Spotify list. This is, is, that, is that based this on is their, this is their song stressed out? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, he's kind of uh, riding along on some sort of gangster sort of bike. Doesn't sound very rock and roll. No. What did I say to you? That's rap. Yeah, I don't think he can play guitar. Sorry, I think. Yeah, we're, we're gonna have to, a, you're fired. We're gonna have to. Who sorry, was the, who was sorry, the, mate. We assumed you play guitar. Who's the other millennial band that was on that fucking list? Um, Panic at the Disco. No. no. <laughs> oh, the 1975. Uh, Christian Berg. We're, we're gonna, <laughs> We're going to have to Google 1975. Uh, oh, hang on. The 1975, not just the year. So I can't uh, fucking... What does it say about either us or the state of music that we can't name one fucking guitarist? I think more about the state of music than it does about us, to be honest with you. So um, we're going to look up uh, the 1975 because I think that'd be great to have in our band because like someone from the 1975, it throws in the mix because he's actually not from 1975. Yeah. It's fun. It's just like there's actually not 21 parts. Yeah. Oh, they're an English rock band from All Manchester. Right. All right, this sounds more. Here we go. Hey, him and Paul will have to. We'll get into punch ups. Ah, uh, the group consists of lead vocalist and rhythm guitarist. Yes. There we go. We got, we've almost got this band together. Double threat. Yeah. And we almost went there. That fucking idiot from Twenty One <laughs> Fucking Pilots. 
Uh, Matthew Matty Healy. So yeah, Matty Healy is Matty Healy. I like it. Yeah. And I mean, imagine he's like writing some of their songs and stuff as well. So this is really coming together now. Okay. So we get Matty Healy from the 1975. We've got Beyonce out front. Uh, we've got... Uh, okay. So Matt Healy is... So uh, uh, Beyonce is millennial? Beyonce is millennial. Uh, and he's Gen... And he's Gen Alpha. Z. Whatever. So that's 96, right? Yeah. Do we know that? Does it say how old he is? Don't! Mate, we have to... If if the fucking press catches wind that generational cohorts aren't actually from the generations they say, we will be exposed. It'll be the biggest scandal in music since Millie Vanilli. We just fake it, I think. Well, if he's within three years, I reckon we can get away with it. Uh, it does not say how old he is, so I'm just going to assume that he's... He was born in 1996. He was born in 1989. Is that what it says? Yeah. <sighs> so that makes him fucking millennial. We're not going to find anyone born in 96, because that would make him 21. Is there anything cavalier? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there Around? is, is there? I don't think there's some young... Like, there must be someone. Yeah. What about that little blonde Aussie guy who's like Australia's Justin Bieber? Oh, uh, Corey. Corey something. No, that's Corey, the, the, fucking, no, he's the, the party, party boy. You know, he's about to have a 10-year anniversary. <laughs> I saw that. Sometimes I love Australia. The fact that someone... Did you see that like the the as part of the Facebook page, they're going to bring back acts from that year? So they're saying like, Operator, please. <laughs> they're going to play that festival. I'm going to look up that Corey Worthington video. Um, Corey Worthington where is it here we go Best Street Party everyone knows who Corey Worthington is right if you don't know it, it well, it's a real life risky business a teenager holds an alcohol fueled party for hundreds of kids while his unsuspecting parents are on holiday 16 year old Corey Worthington is now facing not only the wrath of mum and dad but a $20,000 fine from police I spoke to him a short time ago Corey, thanks for joining us. The <laughs> question that I can think to ask is, what were you thinking? Um, I wasn't really. Did your parents say you could have a party? Um, no. So, why did you? Um, I know, it was just a get-together with a couple mates at first, and then we thought we might as well just have a bit of a party, and then it sort of just got out of hand, and yeah. Well, we just pause for a second. Yeah. So, firstly, <laughs> like we've got to point out, if you've never seen this clip, you've just got to Google yeah. "best street party ever." Parents yet to find out. And uh, Corey so Worthington, party boy, is what you need. Yeah, to he's the best. Like he's uh, he's doing this interview on this like Australian like nightly sort of like you know beat up anything yeah you know, current, current affairs, affairs show. show, and it's quite popular. But it's always like how your plumbing is murdering your. It's partner. all like doorstop interviews, dodgy fucking plumbers. How will the banks rip us off next? And uh, they did not approve of Corey Worthington, the party boy who uh, put his party invite on Facebook, was it? And then like, you oh, know, thousands of people. Was Facebook 10 years ago? Oh. Well, whatever happened, like uh, 500 people turned up to like a right. house party and, yeah. the, and the cops were called and stuff. And so they interviewed this kid the next day. Describe what he's wearing, Charlie. Well, He's got a like a sort of like a a, a, a white sort of colourful um, baseball cap on. He's got Kurt Cobain style. The sort style. of hat that you never buy. If no, you've, if you yeah. you'd see it at a be- you'd see it at a, in a beach destination in a like a convenience store. You could buy right. it for like ten bucks. He's got Kurt Cobain big fucking sunnies on, and he's shirtless with. He's a got nip- yellow hair. You should point yellow out his hair. hair is yellow. Yeah, dyed yellow. He's shirtless with a nipple ring, and he's got a fucking fairy coloured anorak. Yeah. On TV. Like, even... You know what we love about this the most is? You've done TV. You know how this works. 
Where the fuck have they put his microphone? Yeah. There's literally nowhere for it. They must have boomed this boomed interview but this just is so that they can keep this him in this This is what I want to look. stop. Is right. look, at, look at Corey right now. Yeah. Like at what point did the producer or the field producer who was out there go, yeah, we're good to go. Like either that person was a genius was like, this kid is willing to get on camera looking like this. Okay, we're going to roll, roll right now. Roll, 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 roll right now. now. Roll. No, we don't need to find somewhere to put the microphone. Like the sound guy's trying to hang it on his other nipple ring. He's like, no, 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 no. Just get the boom in, get the boom in, and let's go. All right, let's see what Corey let's has to say. Let's keep going. Turned up, the air wing of the police force, the dog squad, your neighbor's cars were being destroyed. What have your uh, parents had to say, Corey? Now, before we get to that, uh, we've got to point out that we are looking at the footage of a police car that it has had its window broken from obviously people yeah. jumping up and down. But also, there's a shot of the last stragglers from Corey's party chatting to police and they've all got like dunas wrapped around their shoulders, like so hungover, yeah. hungover teenagers. So at the end of a big night <laughs> when you always end up like just wrapped in a doona. You're out in the street. Around. Daylight sucks. Yeah. You're looking at all your neighbors jogging and getting ready for work and you just got the doona wrapped around your shoulders. <laughs> all right. So what do his parents say? Oh, I haven't really talked to him. <laughs> cool. I don't. Okay. So <laughs> we had to Sorry. pause it straight away because there's a mate of Corey's who is naked apart from a handkerchief or a napkin. Covering his balls and dick, and he's jogging just, down the street. But they have this footage on a current affair. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so that happened after a current affair rocked up. Okay, let's go back and find out what his parents thought. What have your uh, parents had to say, Corey? Um, I haven't really talked to them because every time they call, I don't answer. Because, yeah, they probably try to kill me. So that's a short-term strategy. You're going to have to talk to them eventually. What are you going to say? Um, sorry. <laughs> Are you sorry? Uh, yeah, yeah, I am. You don't sound very sorry. But I can't be exactly blowing what happened because it wasn't in the house. It was out in the street and I didn't do it. Like, the police said you... So for just... I need to point out for the people at home, what's happened in this interview is that, yes, they've rushed it to air and, yes, they think they have a bit of a genius. But suddenly, halfway through... Uh, he turns the tables. He turns the tables. He, he Kaiser so says the moment. Yeah. No, he fucking jokers them. Yes. Like, that's what it reminds me of. Yeah. It feels like the Joker's first fucking foray yeah. into being an anarchist. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, but he just suddenly, she suddenly realizes, oh, hang on, he's not going to give me the sort of like apology the, or whatever. Where's the mere culpa, Corey? Yeah. So she realizes, oh, <laughs> I'm going to have to double down a bit harder. And this is where this interview goes from being just fine to genius because. The more she leans into it, the more he does not give a shit. Does not give a shit. Let's uh, keep listening. You stay inside so you don't get in trouble. So I did what he said. So why don't you take this opportunity now to apologise to your parents and to your neighbours who have said today that they were frightened? <laughs> well, I've already I've already offered like to say sorry to them and stuff when I see them. So I will say sorry now for everything that happened. Why don't you take uh, your glasses off so we can see you? What does that have to do with fucking anything? Well, this is her panicking now because she's actually now realised 
He's got the upper hand. Yeah, I am losing a public fight <laughs> on national TV with a hungover teenager <laughs> with yellow fucking hair who's not wearing a shirt on the telly. Like, I am in a battle of wits against an idiot <laughs> and I can't win it. This must be what it felt like for Hillary Clinton yeah. to debate Donald Trump. <laughs> this other, A friend of ours, uh, Vaughn, had a moment just like this one night where we were sitting on the couch, we were a bit stoned, and we saw a cockroach. And I said to Vaughn, can you catch that cockroach? And he's like, sure. And so Vaughn gets like a cup and he goes up and he waits right next to the couch where we see the cockroach go and he stands there waiting to catch a cockroach. And behind him, I just see the cockroach walk out, cross the room and go outside. And Vaughn's still standing there with a the cup ready to trap it. And he turns around and I'm like, mate, you just got outsmarted by a cockroach. <laughs> <laughs> All right, strap yourself in. So she's demand. She's like, "This will get him. Why don't you take your glasses off on the telly?" Yeah, why not take them off? He didn't take them off before the right. interview. Why would he take? Why them do you reckon he's going to yeah, take them isn't off that now? That's the redhead guy from CSI. Right. <laughs> <laughs> would it be great if he David Caruso <laughs> yeah. each of his answers? Yeah. If you imagine, each, this would have been the only thing that made this interview better was if after each of his answers he like halfway through took the glasses off and put them back on. You know, if it, what he should have done is gone, you know, I just think we should all fight for our right, take them off, to party. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay. Uh, back to Corey Worthington. Uh, I'll leave these on. No, I like them. They've, they might be fined $20,000. Are you going to try and pay that for them? Yeah, but I don't think it's fair they'll be fined it because what happened, it was my party, but it could have just been any random person walking in the street doing it. What it happens all the time. Your parents were out of town. You put out the invitation. You started it. What? Makes a good point. Right. Like, he just threw a party. Right. Back in the day when you didn't quite know yeah. that it what could social be media could do. so big. But also... And he also said that the police told him to stay inside. Right. And he did. So he threw a party, sure. Like, maybe yeah. he should have spoken to his parents, but it's not illegal. Well, he wouldn't be the first kid who's thrown a party when his parents yeah. were away. I myself. And then the police turn up. He cooperated with them. Right. He said he'll apologize right. to his neighbours. When he sees them. Yeah. And he said they shouldn't get fined because it wasn't their fault. They didn't know about it, so which is actually- a pretty <laughs> legitimate point to make. Hang on. This guy's a fucking genius. Yeah. It's like an undercover fucking lawyer. All right. Let's get back to him. Now, what you, you've got to watch this to fully understand is how badly Leela McKinnon is drowning <laughs> right now. <laughs> like, she is trying her best to get this kid to just say one word of contrition on TV, and he will not. And so all she is doing is doubling well, no, down he's, and he's, doubling down. He's smarter. Right. He is saying yeah, sorry. Yeah, he is. He's like, but he's not saying sorry yeah, under her. the terms that yeah. she wants. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I am sorry, and I will say sorry to the people I want. Well, apologize to everyone right now. No, no. no when no. I see them. Yeah. On my turn. When I say my parents, I apologize to them because I shouldn't have thrown a party, but I'm not going to apologize to you. To you, Leela McKinnon. On your terms, <laughs> Leela McKinnon. Okay, we're going to have to go back to this, but this is her fucking Braveheart moment. Yeah, she's, she's swinging. Decided, just swinging. 
Oh, she's on World Series Poker and she's got a bad hand. But she's like, if I go all in, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I can still win this one. When she demands that he takes off his glasses. Yeah. It didn't work when they started the interview. <laughs> it didn't work the other time yeah. when she asked him. But she's going to go yeah. third time in for You know this. what? I'm going to go a little super nanny right now. And I'm going to demand you take them off and show the country your face. But this is the other thing. She starts bringing in all the people that he's disappointed and all but the people so that, he's, that he's she, scared. But she's also specifically told him that he has all the power based on the object he wears on his face. Right. And as long as he keeps that on his face, he will continue to have the power. The more she begs and berates him to take them off, the more he doesn't do it, he has the upper hand. The more power he actually has. But she literally spells it out for him. Keep those glasses on your face and I will look like an idiot. I will look like an idiot. Whatever you do, don't take those sunglasses off and I will look like an idiot. (laughs) It is... I mean, it's amazing (laughs) to see... Like, the way that she's like, won't you apologize to those people you scared? She literally is the host of A Current Affair, which is a television show that specializes in scaring the shit out of people. Like, why? Your bin might be killing you. So, it's brilliant. I love it. Okay. this it. Here's the thing. There might be people listening to this for the first time. Go and watch it. But secondly, <laughs> the best is still to come. This is This is the thing that you might not remember about this, but the best is yet to come. By the way, the police and the community. This is what this fucking kid who doesn't even have a t-shirt has managed to bring to its knees. How the fuck are we going to survive a terrorist attack (laughs) when the cops can't even stop Corey fucking Worthington? Here we go. Take Take a few glasses and apologize to us. I'll say sorry, but I'm not taking off my glasses. No, because he knows. I'll say sorry, but I'm not taking off my glasses. Why should he? Don't need to. It's personal freedom. Right. I said sorry. Yeah. In fact, I'll say sorry. I've said it. I'll say sorry. But I am not taking off my glasses. Because, Leela, you told me (laughs) that this is the source of my power. Thank you. Oh, I love it. I'm so glad that we remembered this, which was not even the thing we were coming up with. But Corey Worthington can, can so much better than he can arrange, You know what he can do? Arrange the after parties yeah. for the tour. He can definitely be our after party guy. Now, Why not? <laughs> Charlie and I are now just lunging for the computer together to push the pause button because there's just so much to talk about. She, Why she can't believe that he's not? resisted her a third time. It was a plea. It wasn't even a demand. But this, but it was like, oh, why I, not? What I don't think that we fully understood. <laughs> Appreciate how long the pause is. Yes, no, I did. Between, <laughs> just have a listen again to how long the pause is. Take, your, take a few glasses and apologise to us. I'm so sorry, but I'm not taking off my glasses. Why not? <laughs> oh, oh, God. I mean, I remember loving this at the time when it came out, but I'd actually forgotten how much comedy is in this. <laughs> this is genius. All right. Oh. <laughs> oh, we've got to catch a breath. <laughs> I am... <laughs> Look, this is a bold statement to make, but I 
believe the best is still yet to come. So firstly, he says they're famous. Because your glasses are famous. Yeah. Why are your glasses famous? Because I'm high as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, st- I, 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 <laughs> tro- I trod on his punchline. That was our realistic trailer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll go back. It's fine. Because they're famous. <laughs> because your glasses are famous. Yeah. Why are your glasses famous? I know, everyone likes them, so I know I'm not taking them off. You're pretty happy with the way you look and the attitude you've got, are you? Yeah, my parents aren't, but I am. Okay. Sorry, he's done a couple lip smacks. Right. Look, I'm no. Oh, well, I fucking missed that. I played a detective, <laughs> and now everyone's on drugs <laughs> just because they've got no shirt on national TV. They're wearing dark sunglasses that they refuse to take off, and they're constantly smacking their lips together <laughs> and think that everything they say is hilarious <laughs> just because of those four things that happen to have coincidentally come together. You're suddenly. Hey, Corey, we've got to wrap this up, but what would you say to other kids who were thinking of partying? When their parents are out of town. Now, this is the moment where this goes from being pretty fucking great to being genius because this is the moment where Leela McKinnon has like, this is her last haymaker. This is kind of how, what she thought would be her finishing move. This is Superman when he comes in contact with Kryptonite. You know, she thought that the last question was like, what are you going to say to the people of Australia? What are you going to say to kids? What's your message? Yeah, yeah where are we going to get to? And so she asked this question and then this happens. But what would you say to other kids who were thinking of partying when their parents are out of town? Get me to do it for you. Get you to do it for you. Not don't do yeah. it. Nah, get me to do it for you. Best party ever so far. Well, that's what everyone's been saying, so... Well, we've got to go, but I suggest you go away and uh, take a good, long, hard look at yourself. I have. Everyone has. They love it. <laughs> oh, that is the best. I have. Everyone, Everyone has. They, they love, love it. <laughs> Drops Mike. He's not wearing. Drops the boom mic. Oh, God. Poor oh. Leela. I mean, like... She fucked that badly. Like, I mean... I mean, that, but you know what? No one could have won that. Well, you know what it is? It's like a great fighter coming up with, against someone who just fights in a way that they've never encountered before. And they get thrown off by the fact that they're yeah. not doing it in yeah, the same Yeah, like way. an Olympic boxer comes right. up against it like a street brawler. And yeah. it's like, this person is so unorthodox. Yeah, they're not trained, so they're not doing it. The, that, that was, I mean, crazy. Like, if I... If I were Leela McKenna, I might have actually just like taken off my own microphone and just like walked off set. But I'm fascinated to know that there must have been communication at some point between the studio and the team who are on location to say, hey, like this kid is out there. What what do you think our public responsibility as a national broadcaster is to put a kid on TV who's clearly off his head on drugs with no shirt on national TV? Nah, it'll be good for our ratings, mate. We've got Leela in the studio and she's about to take him apart. She's going to get him to apologize to the nation and then she's going to get him to give an important message on behalf of all children and warn them never to do this again in a way that in no way embarrasses her. But do you think there was an element where they were got? we should go the other direction? We should just like turn this into a quirky, like what an eccentric kind of thing? Well, I mean, I think they that, misread. That's what they got out of it. 
Like, I mean, it would have been one of their most viewed clips of all time, I imagine, but it's not what Leela McKinnon got out No, of. clearly not. But I'm just wondering if the production meeting, when they, were, when they were framing this story up, I wonder if there was ever a temptation to be like, we can make this quirky and like one of those kind of quirky kind of like Well, this is or- the thing that I don't quite understand is like, I imagine a lot of the time on A Current Affair, they don't go live. Mm. Like it would so say- they, they I edited. Would, <clears throat> yeah. No, I, that doesn't feel edited though. That feels to me like that was a lot. So they must have done that as a live stream. My God, it's the 10-year anniversary. Maybe we need like a, a one-hour like retrospective documentary oh, about that interview. I would, I would watch that. I like would, if you got Leela talking about it, Corey talking about it, the producers. I'd, I'd fucking make it. I, I'd like, honestly. <laughs> yeah. I would make I mean, it. Could, I would host that's it. That's a, I would be a definitely feature be, film. If I you would, made a feature uh, film about that, that three-minute clip. Okay, let's fucking look up... Uh, uh, Corey Worthington and see what we can find out. So, um, <clears throat> hang on, can, take oh, a, can I get another drink? Yeah, of course. Hang on. All right. So, um, I've looked up some recent news about Corey Worthington, party boy, about the 10 year anniversary. A Facebook event has been set up <clears throat> for a 10 year an- a reunion party to commemorate. Corey Worthington's infamous MySpace party. Ah, that's of course it, it was. Yeah. MySpace. And 10,000 people. Why? Can we get... I know we <laughs> said Corey can plan the party, but maybe we get Corey on stage for a song at least. Like, Fight for Your Right to Party. Corey comes out for the encore and does Fight oh, for Your Right. And, the band, and also like a super group Because he's Gen Y, right? Always, always loves a cover. Yeah, totally. Right? He's, 10 years ago, he was 16. He's 26 now. So that puts him squarely in... Yeah. The right that's, category. Yeah, that's the right yeah. category. We're happy with that. Yeah. Well, he'll do. Gen Y. He'll do. Um, the event called Corey's Party 10-Year Reunion, uh, scheduled for January 8th next year in Narrow Warren. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? If the council is fucking smart, if they've learned anything, they will embrace this. Um, okay, here we go. Let's have a look. There's not much information on him, uh, up-to-date information. I must have... Admit. Um, Balinese wedding. He's married now. Uh, um, what Corey Worthington looks like now. Oh, here we go. That'll do. That's from four days ago. So, uh, whoa. This is the headline. Whoa. <laughs> oh, that was you. That no, was your genuine reaction. No, the headline on uh, Nova's website. Uh, whoa. Let's talk about what Corey Worthington looks like now. Okay. Let's. Uh, it's been 10 years since we last saw him. Can you believe it's nearly 10 years since we first laid eyes on Corey Worthington and his yellow sunnies and heard about his epic house party? A whole 10 years. It's crazy. While we've had the occasional where is he now story crop up in the media, for the most part, we kind of forgotten about him, which makes the photo of Corey much more shocking. Mm, Ready for it? Ah, oh, he totally looks like he'd be in our band. He's got like... Uh, very much your sort of like, you know, sort of metal goth rocker, sort of like slicked down black hair at the front down to sort of like shoulder lengths. He's got t- neck tattoos, like tattoos right up until his face. And he uh, has got tattoos all over his arms. Looking very slick, Corey Worthington. Oh, he's got a baby. Oh, Charlie, you've got to come and have a look at this. It's a picture of Corey Worthington and his baby. Guess what his baby's wearing? The same yellow sunglasses that Corey's wearing. That's amazing. Yeah. That's a baby who loves to party. <laughs> um, well, there you go. 
this has been a good episode. We didn't probably need to take that break right near the end. <laughs> <laughs> no, I needed to drink. Yeah. It's After okay. all that information, my heart yeah. palpitations. Hey, we should promote. We have a live oh, yeah. show In coming Sydney. up. Sydney, yeah. I mean, we haven't been to Sydney for live shows for so long. So <laughs> it's good to do another live show. Here's the thing. I am leaving Sydney. Charlie's going to still be living in Sydney, but I am leaving Sydney for work. Yeah. Uh, so we are squeezing in as many live Sydney performances right now as we possibly can because we're not sure when the next opportunity to do anything live is. So I know that us doing another podcast so soon after our opera house shows is probably a lot to be asking of our audience. Spend the money that you would have spent next year coming and seeing it, but it's going to be also a very different experience to the ones we do at the Opera House. Yeah, so it's part of the Planet Broadcasting double header mega November. So every so Wednesday, explain what that is. So every Wednesday in the month of November, uh, Planet Broadcasting are uh, doing live podcasts with some of their acts, and so right. they asked us to uh, do their first night. Right, so, and we had already booked in the Opera House shows, and but we are part newly part of Planet Broadcasting, yeah. and this is when they were doing their shows. So yeah, that's, that's right. why we're doing our shows. But there. we actually wanted to do it. <laughs> no, I'm saying we wanted to do it. We were not obliged in any way to do it. No. Those should... motherfuckers over at Planet Broadcasting <laughs> didn't say they'd break our kneecaps if we didn't do it. We chose to do it because we have an opportunity to do something we haven't really done live as a podcast before. Exactly, because we haven't really because when we did the live shows it's always like a bit different. It's more of a live show where you normally yeah. get Deeks involved, but this is actually going to be a show based on the podcast yeah. more than actually a live representation of the podcast. Exactly. So if you want this but with a visual aid of Will and I on stage together. With two guests. With two guests. Who have their own podcast. Yeah, awesome podcast. So yep. uh, Mr. Sunday Movies, James and Nick Mason uh, from The Weekly Planet are going to be Which on is an show. amazing podcast, by the way, if you haven't checked it out. Yeah, check but not out. only that, we have an opening act. Much like generational cohorts, right. we have an opening act. Yeah. So uh, Mrs. Sunday Movies, Claire Tanti, and Just Make the Thing, her podcast, she'll be doing that before us. Then we come on, you get Nick and James. So you're basically getting three podcasts in one. Three podcasts for the price of one. With a visual aid. And, Charlie, I believe there may be some sort of... Uh... Discount? Discount. Yes. We're so bad at promoting the discount. <laughs> Right, we've had like I sponsors. I can't even remember what, what it was. It was. <laughs> and it's called Dofot. That's the worst part. Uh, no, so if you, uh, if you, if you, if you book online, we'll put a link up on the Facebook page. Mike Howell will put a link uh, on this episode if you're downloading it on iTunes, so you can click and go to Eventbrite for uh, the ticket information. But if you put in the discount code Tofop, you get fifteen percent off. So three podcasts. For 15% off, not a bad deal. Three Will. podcasts for 15% off the price. Whatever the of price one. is, which I don't know. <laughs> Three podcasts for only 85% of the price of one. That's a good deal, Charlie. That is That's value. what I'm saying. But it's also probably going to be the last, well, definitely the last live show we do probably ever. until. Ever. Oh, yeah, okay. Ever. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I meant. It'll ever. It'll be the last one we do ever. Come back to a comedy festival next year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but so if you want to see us live, if you didn't get to see us at the Opera House, yeah. well, this is going to be a great show as well. Plus, you're going to get added value with uh, yeah. Just Make the Thing and the guys from the Weekly Planet. And they, I mean, they really do have a genuinely brilliant podcast of their own. And this is the first time we've all. We've both done their podcast. They did a faux fop with me, but we've never done one where it was all We're four, all four of, of us together. come together. So this is basically the defenders. Yeah. Like we've all guested in each other's kind of shows. Yeah, we've been introduced to the timeline <laughs> in various different ways, but now it's time for us to team up in some sort of super podcast. Yeah, I hope I'm not the Iron Fist of the group. You are the Iron <laughs> Fist of the group. So uh, if you're in Sydney or you want to come up to Sydney for that weekend. 80s douche. <laughs> Motherfucker. 
Uh, that's November 1st. It's going to be at Cake Wine Cellar Door, which is Everly Street, Redfern. Uh, tickets available on Eventbrite. Just go to our Facebook page for more details. I'll go to Planet Broadcasting because they're doing it every Wednesday for the month of November and there's yeah. other great shows on the network. And they're teaming well. up uh, two shows from the network every week in yeah. that format. Yeah, man, I like that. It's a it's double good. bill. It's, it's actually bill. a really cool idea and a really cool way to have a night out. Um, you may not know Claire's podcast. Uh, have you done it? No. Okay. She told me, well, you know, she said she wanted me on it, but then I wasn't. And then I heard you on it. I'm like, oh. Well, I've been on it. I know. So again, another way to be introduced to the universe. It's a bit like you're Spider-Man. Oh, totally. like, you know, she's I, Spider-Man, yeah. but I've already made a guess. Yeah, you Tony Stark. You Tony yeah, Stark to the podcast. <laughs> You Tony Stark, Claire's homecoming. Yeah. All I'm saying is these are interconnected universes. Yeah, we're part of the Planet Broadcasting universe. Yeah. All these Planet Broadcasting shows exist in the same... The Planet Broadcasterverse. Canon. Yeah, exactly. It's all canon, guys. The P- this is all canon. It's the PBEU. Yeah. <laughs> Not the Peanut Butter Extended Universe. <laughs> Planet Broadcasting We were universe. sued with, by them for a little while. It was an ABC Disney thing, but... Yeah, they got smooth, they got country, they got all of them. Exactly. Uh, if you like this podcast, please go to our website, tofop.com, where you can find this and many other podcasts that feature us or friends of ours. Yes, exactly. Um, you can also find us on Facebook, you can find us on Twitter, and that's no, it. No. We'll see you at Corey Worthington's 10-year uh, reunion party, party in January. He'd be good to have on the in podcast. In Nary Warren. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson.